You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Here are Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, it is August 31st, 2022. My name is Matt McSweeney and welcome to the Hot Take Hotbox. This is episode 87. Yes, that is the correct answer. Episode 87, ladies and gentlemen. Our Philadelphia Phillies are on a backslide, a tailspin in free fall right now out in Arizona in the desert. We will get into all the games, obviously. Bryce Harper is back, but the energy and the vibes and the positivity has somewhat left the building. It feels like a we are back in panic crisis mode here as September rolls around, and it seems like uh, the old-school Philly vibes have kicked back in. Aaron Nola, September Nola, has already here on the last day of August. He is primed and ready to go to fold in the biggest month of the season. We will discuss that. The Eagles uh, cut down the roster, and they were able to make a move for CGJ, which is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from the New Orleans Saints for... Not high-value picks, uh, you know, fifth and swapping the worst of a sixth-round pick and whatnot. So I think it was a pretty good move for the Birds. Uh, needed some safety help, needed some help on the back end there, and I think that's a good move. We will talk about that. The Eagles season is right around the corner. We will talk about we got college football right around the corner. We're going to have a college football podcast coming out tomorrow. We'll have an MMA podcast coming out on Friday. We, you know, just churning it out, churning the content out for – all my loyal listeners out there, and as always, I appreciate you and I love you. Let's get into the Phils, who, listen, have only lost three games in a row, and obviously it's upsetting, one to the Pirates, two to the Diamondbacks, but the way they have lost these games in Arizona has been downright horrific and just excruciating to watch, especially the fact that you have to stay up later to watch them. I personally love the West Coast games. I'm up late anyway, but... It has been horrendous. I mean, especially the Monday night. We'll get into it, but let's start with the Pirates series, obviously. So Bryce Harper comes back on Friday night. Big deal. He The bases are loaded for him when he steps up to the plate. Two RBI single right through the, right through the uh, shift. Absolutely smokes the ball. Uh, Phils jump out to a 6 nothing lead, 7 nothing lead, 6 nothing lead. And then somewhat coasted to a victory there uh, shortly after. Good start from Bailey Falter. Only gave up three runs. Started to get away from him. Uh, you know, he went through the order one and a half times, I believe, and then you know, gave up a couple home uh, three home runs to be exact. Brian Reynolds, uh, Adolfo Castro, uh, Ben Gamble, but that was the only runs they pretty much scored. Uh, he didn't give up the Gamble home run, but uh, he gave up those two home runs uh, in the fourth and fifth. He goes six strong, only gives up those three runs, strikes out six, doesn't walk anyone, which is huge when uh, you need to get more than four, five innings out of a guy. You need uh, a little bit of a longer start, Bailey Falter. It's huge when you're not walking guys, you're not running your pitch count up, and you're able to just churn through the lineup. Whole team pretty much produced here on this Friday night game. Only guy that did not get a hit was JT Romuto. Uh, I mean, you got two hits from Bohm, uh, the the RBI sing- or the two RBI single from Harper. Hoskins had two hits. Schwarber had a hit. 
Castellanos had two hits. Stott, Segura, Veerling all had hits. So huge game for our Phils. Uh, kept it rolling after the series in Cincinnati. Then they come back on Saturday. You get seven strong innings from Kyle Gibson. Gibson pitches what is a gem for him. I mean, for anyone, honestly. Gives up six hits, only one walk, nine Ks. And they are able to get to Tyler Beattie, who gives up six runs early on in the first three innings of this game. And honestly, that seems to be a thing that's been going on with this team for... It just—I don't know what the numbers would dictate, or this is just a feel, and, and in uh, what I'm getting from watching this team on a night in, night out basis, they tend to when they get early runs coast for the rest of the game. If they say jump out to a six nothing, seven nothing, uh, you know, above five run lead, it seems like they don't really tack on runs later on in the game. I don't know if they lose that urgency or once they get. Through the starter, they don't know or they can't get to the bullpen and, and they're not able to tack on these extra runs with the bullpen. It's just the the, the change in pitchers just mess. I don't know what it is or they could become complacent and they kind of just coast. I really don't know what it is. But it seems like, especially these last few weeks, they jump out early on in the first three innings, four innings, and then you don't see them for the rest of the game produce any sort of offense. I mean, in this game, they only had seven total hits for the whole game. And a lot of them came in these first couple innings. After that, the Pirates go to their bullpen, which is not exactly a, an electric, uh, beastly bullpen. And you're getting guys like Chase DeJong, who's going three strong innings. Three strong innings, not giving up a run. And then, you know, it, it's only giving up two hits. And then the last two guys don't give up a hit at all. So, I don't know. I don't know if that's a something to watch out for or or just kind of keep your eye on but it, it's what we'll talk about it's what happened in the Diamondbacks game now there's another there's obviously more reasons why they lost that game and they shouldn't have been blown or you know a seven run lead and they shouldn't have given up 13 runs but again it, it's just that they struggle once they put those runs up early so the Phils get that win that's a that was a dom another dominant win for the uh for the for the Phils that was six in a row, uh, combined with the four against the Reds, two against the Pirates, and then, unfortunately, a day game comes around and just wipes the Phils out. Phils have nothing for the Pirates, and Ronsi Contreras, who goes five strong, seven Ks, two walks, Syndergaard gives up five runs, kind of gets hit around a little bit, nine, hit, nine hits, didn't walk many people, which is always a thing I look at, because... When you're walking and giving free passes, it's kind of like in basketball. You when you're hacking people and sending them the line, giving them free shots, you're just setting yourself up for failure and just setting yourself up for a future loss. Your top three guys here in this one, 0 for 12. Schwarber, Castellanos, Bohm, three strikeouts. Schwarber striking out twice. Uh, you know you're only getting hits from Harper, Romuto, and Veerling. They they had four hits combined in this game. And it's just another game situation where they just are sleepwalking in the beginning of this game and they have nothing for the other team uh, in a day game. It's just, it seems like it has been been a common theme throughout this season where they are just getting, not only are they losing day games, which you can lose a day game here and there, it is what it is, but they some of these games are getting absolutely wiped out on. Just completely dominated from start to finish. 
Uh, I mean, the Reds game you can think of where not, they didn't necessarily didn't get dominated. They lost one nothing, but they didn't score. They get shut out. The offense is just completely anemic and has nothing to offer or produce. And, and you got to mention here, even though they lost, the bullpen did their thing here. Nick Nelson, Connor Brogdon, Sam Coonrod, all through shutout innings. And, and Nelson went one in the third. So it wasn't their fault. You know, it, it's... Five runs is not that much to overcome or a huge lead to to overcome. So, listen, it's not a good win, obviously. You win six in a row. You're not going to have a mental breakdown over it. You would love to have swept the Pirates and take care, taken care of business, but it, you know, you're going to slip up here and there. Okay, It's a long baseball season, 162 games. It's not the end of the world. Now they go to Arizona. Now, this game is it's up there on the top three, top four uh, losses of the season. This was about as bad as a baseball game uh, loss can get. I don't know. I'm going to struggle to find the proper way to classify this, the proper context to put this game in. It It was horrific. It was a horrific way to lose a baseball game. And especially when you jump out to a 7 nothing lead and then you have 11 hits in this baseball game and you lose by 6 runs. You lose this game 13-7. to And you have a, a guy on the mound in Ranger Suarez who was, was cruising, absolutely cruising for a while in this game. He was into the 4th inning before any sort of trouble arose or, or any problems were caused for, for, for Mr. Suarez. Phillies were up 7-0 going into that bottom of the fourth inning, and they had 11 hits for the whole game, and all of them came off of Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner went three and two-thirds innings. He gave up seven earned runs, and after that, there was five and a thirds innings left to be pitched, not one hit. And the only base runners were walks for the rest of the game. Again, offense completely lifeless after their just initial offensive output. And then that's it. They have nothing to offer for the rest of the game. Now, I'm not going to blame them. They put up seven runs. The Phillies need to be better on the field. I mean, Ranger Gene Segura with an awful, awful error of the six runs that were scored. During Ranger Suarez's, or he was responsible for two of only two of them were earned. After that, Christopher Sanchez comes in the game. He only goes two thirds of an inning, and he gives up five earned runs, two hits, two walks, just absolutely nothing to offer. And then you get Bellotti into the game, and after that, it was over. So once you once you're down eleven to seven, it's just there's what 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 more conversation is there to be had? The team absolutely got their souls taken from them in that bottom of the fourth inning. And then they come back. They're still up. That's the thing. They are still up going into the, right? Yeah, going into the bottom of the fifth. They come back from the top of the fifth. Nothing. Okay, all right, it is what it is. You had scored a run in every other inning before that. So I'm not going to expect you to fucking score all night long. But another six spot gets put up on them. They're down 12-7, and their fucking souls have been taken. And that's it, man. Like that, and I, I, you know, me and my buddies in a group chat, we're talking about like that. Felt like a like a like a, it's if we like go into a tailspin or if we miss the playoffs, this is a lot. That's the loss we're gonna look at and say 
that's when it all just disappeared. Our, our fucking hopes and dreams evaporated because the Diamondbacks took our souls on a Monday evening in Arizona. And that was that. I, I could not believe we had no sort of fight back or any sort of offensive, just nothing after that. You, you get all those runs off Baumgartner, you hit the shit out of them, and then it just completely, the whole team just melted down. And you can blame the pitching, but then you can also blame the offense for not having anything for them for the last five innings of the game. You can blame the fielding, because obviously Segura, Bohm misplayed a ball. It, there's a lot of anger to be pulled around or pushed around to all these different areas. For this specific game. And then they come back last night. To Tuesday night. I was going to wait until Thursday to do this. But I don't see the point. Truly. Don't. Because. What is it going to do. If we win this game tonight. With Bailey Falter on the mound. It, it, it won't change my feeling whatsoever. I'll feel a little bit better. But these are all. Uh, unfiltered emotions need to come out. Because I am. In an absolute panic, I have I'm I have broken the glass on the panic alarm, and I am so close to hitting the big red button right now. Because it's just a lifeless. It's like not like I said. Not only are you losing games, you're losing close games or yada yada. You're getting your teeth kicked in, dominated from start to finish, showing no life. That's your Phillies. That's your Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies were down, I believe, twelve to nothing at a certain point in yesterday's game. No, I'm sorry. They they were up nine nothing, and then the Phillies scored the three runs, and then the Diamondbacks came back with another added three runs, and another fuck you to go on top of a just demoralizing three days for our fighting Phils. Zach Gallen. Uh, who I was in attendance when his family, and he's a South Jersey product, when I watched him get hit around in Citizens Bank Park and the Phillies dominated him. He, in fact, was dominant in this game, only giving up two hits, seven strikeouts, one walk. He goes seven uh, seven innings, I believe I already said that. And the big takeaway from this game was Aaron Nola getting fucking hit around, just absolutely smacked around. Like a punch-drunk boxer. He goes four four innings. He gives up eight earned runs, ten hits. Doesn't walk anyone. I mean, that would even be a nice excuse. But just gets destroyed in typical Nola fashion. Handing out hits to everyone on the team. And this game was over by the time the top of the third inning had started. Because it just seemed like the Phils, again, with Gallon on the mound, their best pitcher, we just... Nothing. You you needed a good performance from Aranola to keep it close to keep you in this game. And he had nothing for you. Eight earned runs. Eight earned runs. For a, you know, not the biggest start of, of the season for Nola, but just uh, this, again, the narrative will continue that this is the time of year where Aranola folds. He runs out of gas. He can't pitch down the stretch when the weather gets cold or whatever the excuse may be or the narrative may be. Aranola, September Aranola is is here. And now it's going to keep continuing unless he is able to eradicate that narrative. And 
I'll tell you what, last night did not go any lengths or did not make any strides or progress in getting rid of that uh, thought process. So the Phils are in a three-game tailspin right now. I am not going to discuss how you know this guy's doing or that guy's doing. Uh, Bryce has looked good since he came back. He, you know, I, I mean, no one really hit the ball last night. He, he included uh, the only guys who had hits last night. Segura, uh, Marsh had two. He hit his first home run as a Philly, and Veerling, who actually has been hitting the ball pretty well. I guess I will talk about that real quick. He's had a couple of successful games here these last couple nights. So the Phils. Had nothing at all for the D-backs in these first two games. Let's hope they are able to bounce back tonight. Bailey Falter is on the mound. The lineup has not come out at the time of this recording, unfortunately. I don't really think it matters all that much. There is a man uh, by the name of Tommy Henry pitching tonight. He is a lefty. So I assume it will be the uh, right all the righties that you can imagine out there, the veerlings. Uh, you probably get a night off from Marsh, uh, Segura. I mean, unfortunately, you'll probably see Edmundo Sosa out there at shortstop. I ho- really hope not, but I would like to see Bryson Stock get in there more against these lefties, but who knows? This guy has only 27 innings in the majors, 3.25 ERA, 3-2, and two, uh, you know, 11, 11 walks, 19 strikeouts, so... Maybe the Phils can get to him. Maybe he can uh, shoot himself in the foot a few times here. And I'm trying to put the positive spin on that. But I'll be frank and I'll be honest with you guys. I don't feel good. I truly do not feel good right now about what's going on. The Phillies were two games up on the Diamond, or not the Diamondbacks, I'm sorry, the Padres at a certain point uh, last week. And now that lead has kind of dwindled to half a game for that second spot in the wild card. And they're only two and a half, or I'm sorry, they're only three games up of the Brewers, uh, for that last wild card spot or not for the last wild card. Yeah. Well, there are three games up on the Brewers who are outside of the playoffs right now looking in. And that's pretty much it. The, the giants are on, on a, they are another team who's in a tailspin. In they're in a real free fall. I know I'm talking about the Phillies being in a free fall, quote unquote, but the Giants are actually that team. They are, without a doubt, in a tailspin right now. And unfortunately for us, they're playing the Padres. And I know we get to play them next, so maybe we can continue the tailspin and keep them in free fall. But. I'll tell you what, man. I don't like what I'm seeing from the Phillies. I'm not really worried too much about the Giants. They're we thought. I mean, the the Diamondbacks have the same record as them right now, and we are getting uh, we're just getting smacked around like like a, like a punch drunk boxer. I like that one. I'm gonna start using that one from now. I know, you, I know. I've used free fall tailspin. This is I'm just I'm beating the lines up right now. I'm going back and forth, back and forth between my cliches. And my lines. I'm not playing around today. I'm I'm ready to go. We have three games with the Giants in San Francisco, and then two day games out there, which will be four o'clock starts there. Be, I'm sorry, it'll be four o'clock starts here. One o'clock starts there. So day games will be a part of the series and and. In San Francisco, and then we have three night games. It's 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 really crazy that I have to specify what day games and night games that we're playing, because I really it's now in my head. It's probably in their head too, because it just seems like they don't have any life, and they're just getting again 
completely dominated in these day games. And now, like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. I'm I'm starting to get really upset here, ladies and gentlemen. It's not... It's not a good situation that we're in. Uh, when when Bryce Harper was coming back and, and the energy was supposed to be high and we're supposed to be cruising in and, and all systems go towards the playoffs, now we've hit a little bit of a... Every time we start stacking the blocks up and we start making some progress, we just bump ourselves down a couple notches. And now we're, we're here again waiting for the Marlins and, and hopefully we can get through this giant series and... Nationals, Marlins, like we have a couple of these series that we could probably get back on the horse, but I'll feel much better if they're able to get two or three in San Francisco. I mean, especially if they're able to salvage a 2-1 situation here with the Diamondbacks, if Bailey Falter's able to sneak out a victory tonight in Arizona. It's a 9:40 start. They have a Friday night 10:15 start for all the night owls who will be all boozed up on Friday night watching the Phils. Shout out to you out there. And, and like I said, we'll get to the Marlins. We'll get to the Giants. Uh, Eagles got a safety. I already talked about that a little bit. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, a guy who seems like an absolute psychopath, kind of guy we like here in the city. We'll talk that shit. Uh, has a lot of, I don't know, I, I'm not saying play-wise, but demeanor and, and talk and bravado. He has a lot of Jalen Mills in him. It seems like a lot of, uh, you know, cro- arms crossed, looking in Brady's face, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and just things of that nature, a lot of swagger to him per se. And uh, it's, a, it's a position that the Eagles need. We, we have been lacking in the safety department for some years since Malcolm Jenkins' departure. Had Rodney McLeod, but obviously he was getting older and he's uh, departed for Indianapolis. So we... You can only hope for the best. They didn't. They didn't give up much for him. I think part of the deal is that he'll be signing an extension, and I would be curious to see what the number will be, and what we will have to pay him, and the guarantees, and how long. He's a younger guy. He's only 24 years old. Has not played a ton of snaps at safety. He's majority been a sort of slot nickel corner during his time in New Orleans. I just love the move. I, I have nothing but positive things to say about it. It's now a defense that is pretty stacked with talent from front to back, back to front. You got Bradbury Slay. You now have CJG in the back. You have Avante Maddox able to play the nickel, or you could even move CGJ, CJG, CGJ. I'll have to get used to that. I don't know if I'm going to use that nickname for him. You can move him down into the box. You can do a lot of different things with these guys. Uh, you have linebackers like Kazir White, Nicobe Dean, TJ Edwards, Hassan Reddick, who's not really a linebacker, uh, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, uh, Javon Hargrave, Jordan Davis. I, I mean, the list goes on and on, and I'm probably forgetting some guys because it's just there's a lot of different options for Jonathan Gannon to use in this defense that was not there last year. And even a Marcus Epps, who, who is forgotten in this, he played a lot of snaps last year, and you could look for him to take a jump. I'm, I'm feeling really good about the team as a whole, especially the defense. We will go full in on the Eagles 
this this upcoming week. We'll talk about the Eagles and Lions. We'll have a pro football pick podcast along with a college pick podcast that is going to come out tomorrow, the college one. The pro football one will be included next week in the pick podcast. And we go from there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the, other than that, there is not a lot to talk about in the sports world. Uh, the Eagles made... I, I don't really like to get into too much of the Eagles' cuts and non-cuts. And uh, Devin Allen didn't make the team. He's going to go to spe- the, the, the practice squad. And uh, the Eagles claimed Ian Book, Notre Dame, former Notre Dame guy. Uh, obviously fun for me, but he's not good. So I'm not going to get... If he's ever taking live snaps in a regular season game, we're either up by 40 or we stink now. Or, we, or, or lots of guys have gotten hurt and we are in complete panic mode. So, other than that, I am not going to waste too much time here, ladies and gentlemen. I am going to get out of here. This is a quicker episode, but I did want to do a quick episode to discuss what's going on with the Phillies and the CJ, CGJ. Damn, it should be CJG. It really should. But I, I'm not going to tell the guy how the spell, how his name should be. He didn't pick it either. But it would just be flow so much better if it was CJG. But CGJ. Chauncey gardner Johnson. I do, like I like I said. I do love the move. I think it's a big move. I think the Eagles. They're just helping me out more with my thirteen and four pick. We'll have more guys that'll give their picks. Uh, I might even just hit people up and ask for their official picks, and I'll give them a, a a free sharpie or something like that for their sharpies laying right in front of me. That's the only thing I can think of for their for their successful picks and. Oh, also, I guess we should talk about Jalen Rager got traded today. Uh, it's so irrelevant to me that I just completely was going to go by it without talking about it. The Minnesota Vikings, who obviously that's a little funny because the we passed on Justin Jefferson and the Vikings were thrilled about it. And they jumped on the opportunity to draft Justin Jefferson. And they were right about that. Time has told the tale of that one that... That was one of Hallie Roseman's bigger mistakes as the general manager and as a drafting, uh, just as a drafter, as you, I guess you could say. But the Minnesota Vikings double back now, and they are trading for Jalen Rager. The uh, I'm looking up the official trade. So the Vikings are getting Jalen Rager in exchange for a 2023 seventh-round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth-round pick that would de-escalate to a fifth-round pick if certain statistical marks are not met. So uh, we don't know what those marks are, and uh, maybe we'll find out down at some point down the line. I'm sure we will. We always do. And that's a great trade. Whether we get a fifth or whether we whatever we get, we got a fourth-round pick for a guy who is not going to produce, has not produced for our team in all of his years here, he just was not going to figure it out here. Uh, maybe he was going to have a good... I, I had a feeling he was going to have a better season this year than he had in the past. It's just a lot of the pressure was off of him. But again, there was not really going to be any time for him on this team. You have, you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, and you have Quez Watkins, who is much more trustworthy as a slot corner, or slot, slot corner, slot receiver... And then you have Zach Pascal, and you just have a lot of other guys that were challenging Jalen Rager, and honestly, a lot more trustworthy. Even as a punt returner, he was not offering much there. 
if anyone uh, watched, I know you guys all watched it, but if you all remember that playoff game against the against the Buccaneers, he, I mean, muffed a punt. He was misplaying punts where he was not paying attention, and the ball was bouncing and going 30 yards back. And just a player who you would pull your hair out watching because it seems like he had all the talent in the world to be this great player. I mean, the three drop passes against the Giants, which lost us that game last year, he just he did enough bad things here where it's like, okay, we get the point. Let's let's keep it moving. Uh, it wasn't going to work out here. Hopefully for him it works out somewhere else. But we got something for him, for a guy who we were either next year or at some point down the road he was going to get cut and we were going to get nothing for him. You know, maybe he comes out and he tears it up this year, and he gets, you know, he he becomes the second wide receiver next to Justin Jefferson, or the third wide receiver next to Justin Jefferson, and Adam, Adam Thielen. Um, but I highly doubt that's going to happen, just because I've seen Jalen Rager. I know what he's capable of, and I, I'm just not willing to hold on to a guy who has been a malcontent at some points in his career. And he's gotten a lot of uh, verbal negative uh, abuse from the Philly fans, which kind of isn't his fault. He hasn't played well, but it's not his fault that he was picked ahead of Justin Jefferson. You know, I, I do feel bad for guys in, the, in those situations, especially when you're not, you know, you try to put yourself in, in that guy's shoes. You're trying your best. You're, you're really, you didn't ask for this, and people are just shit-talking you under everything you post, and you can't even live like a normal social media life without people constantly getting in your comments, getting in your mentions, and talking shit to you, and telling you how much you suck and you dropped this pass and whatnot. But frankly, if you're talking about football, he didn't play well enough to warrant staying here or warrant me arguing to keep him or hold on to him. He, it, this is kind of the best case scenario for the Eagles at this point. You wasted the first round pick then, but you were able to get something for him, something you could probably flip for another player down the line. Just keep stacking these picks together, and maybe you could make a move, uh, a trade for anything. Maybe a, a Kareem Hunt or a, another running back for the Eagles. We shall see. Uh, but we got Eagles next week, man. So it's going to kick up here on the Hot Take Hot Box. We got football back. We will talk about everything involving the this this upcoming game. This game isn't going to be that that much dramatic. I hope I hope I'm I'm kind of speaking wishfully. I, I really do hope it's not going to be a dramatic situation. But again, we we treat every game, we treat every opponent with respect, and we will come after it as if we are playing the 2007 Patriots. That's how I always attack it, and that's how the Eagles should attack it. We will be here next week to talk about it all. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt McSweeney, Hot Take Hotbox. Thank you for joining me, and always uh, subscribe to any of the stuff that here. You know, you can get the Apple notifications, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can, uh, you know, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. Maybe we even start a Discord soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me.